Okay, would you close out our prayer time and then pray for our time in the Word? The last two prayer points would be Thanksgiving and our closing prayer. The scripture for Thanksgiving would be Psalms 7, verse 17, and Psalms 27, verse 1. For our closing prayer to be Psalm 104, verse 33 through 34, and Isaiah 40, verse 29 through 31. And the scriptures would be prayed. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, because of your righteousness, and will sing praise to your name, Lord Most High. You are my light and my salvation, O Lord. Whom shall I fear? You are the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I will sing to you as long as I live. I will sing praise to you, my God, while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to you. I will be glad in you, O Lord. You give me strength. You give strength to the weary, O God, and increase the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait for you will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So would you close us, Carrie, and end with a time of thanksgiving and then pray for our time in the word. Father, I do thank you that your promises are true. God, that we can rely on them. That the foundation that is underneath us, God, is you and your word. Is never changing. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, I thank you that you have built your rock your church on the rock. And we know that the gates of hell cannot prevail. Father, we are thank you we are thankful for your goodness and your mercy. Yes. We are thankful for your counsel, Holy Spirit. Yes. Your conviction that would lead us into all repentance and to the path of righteousness for your name's sake. I thank you, God, that you do renew us. Father, you renew us each and every day. God, I pray that we would be able to stand before you with a pure and blameless heart. God, knowing that our past has been forgiven, if we have trusted in you, and if we have found the gift of salvation that you offer, that it is not anything we could have done, Father, but it is all of you. And Father, we are grateful for this time together that we have today. Father, that we may make it a priority, put nothing in front of it, God, not even family. Father, that we have this privilege that so many others are giving their life for. So God, I lift up those, Father, who are under persecution. And Father, we are grateful for those that will give their life today for your word. That will be ushered into heaven, Father. I pray that we would be encouraged, Father. I pray that your word would continue to go forth. And we know that your word says that it does not come back void. So we pray for a harvest, Father. 
In Jesus' name.
Jesus, Jesus. <laughs>
call upon your name, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this new day, Father. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning, Lord. And Father, we ask even now, Holy Spirit, that as we open up your word, God, that our hearts would be of good soil to receive it. God, that it would not be snatched from us, that it would not wither up, Lord, but that our hearts would be of good soil to receive, Father, that it may produce fruit in our lives, Lord, that our lives would be lived for you, Lord, and that, God, through our lives, Lord, that you would receive the glory. God, that we would submit ourselves unto Christ, that we would deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and to follow you. We thank you, God, that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, that those who are in Christ are new creations, born again of the Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our comforter, our guide, our teacher. And we thank you, God, that your word declares that you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. And so I pray that sin will no longer master us, but that as we are walking and abiding in Christ, that we will learn to master it. And it's for your kingdom, it's for your glory, and through your power, Father, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The three R's for this year. I've been encouraging us since January of these three R's and hope to encourage us to grow, to mature in our Christian walk as Christians, as those who are saying that we've called upon the name of the Lord, that we've received Him as our King, as our Lord, that we recognize Him to be the Son of God, the Messiah, that He rose from the dead, and that we have received this new birth through Him, that we have been born again, and that we would live as such. And that these three R's are not just a one-time part of our life, but they're every day. So repentance, the action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 through 11, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. To repent, to turn away from, to have a sincere regret or remorse. You recognize that you are a sinner. You recognize that you are in complete rebellion towards God. And so instead of running away from God, no, you run towards Him because He's so gracious. He's so loving. He is so kind. He draws us to Himself. He brings us. It's His loving kindness that leads us to repentance. And as I've been encouraging us, it's not God with the problem. It's us, the created. We're in rebellion towards Him. But God so loved us that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would call upon Him will not perish but have eternal life. The good news that is found in Jesus. When our eyes have been opened, when our ears hear, 
when we can understand what He has done for us, we can't help but submit to His Lordship. And I keep encouraging us that submission is not a forced submission. No, you willingly submit. And I love this fact when you hear for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Freedom. Freedom that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Oh, to repent. That it would be an active process day in and day out in your life. Because as long as you're on this side of heaven, as long as you're behind enemy lines, everything out there in the temporalness of life is trying to snatch you away, to lead you away, in hopes that you would fall prey to the teachings of demons. But you must learn to stand, and stand therefore then, allowing your roots to grow down deep into Christ, so that you're living for Christ, you're abiding in Christ, because you know apart from Him you can do nothing. So you don't cover up your sin, you just don't act religious, you just don't go to church, show up for church, you just don't post Jesus stuff, you just don't act like you're a Christian when you know that you're not. No. Repentance. It's vital to the Christian life. To repent. To have that sorrow. To truly feel the depth of that rebellion. And like, oh God, I am sorry. And it leads us to freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You'll learn to, and we'll get to the third R soon, but you'll learn to let things go. And to grow and to mature. So repentance has to be active. And then the second R, to resolve, to decide firmly on a course of action. To make up your mind. Romans 6, verse 11 through 12 So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. To resolve, to make up your mind, to decide firmly on a course of action. The call of a disciple to, pick, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow Him. It's just not a one-time little prayer. No, it's a lifestyle. It is who you are. You're not yoking yourself. You're not allowing yourself to get entangled with the world. You're not allowing yourself to just think upon the temporal things of life. You're supposed to think upon the things of heaven. <laughs> that which is good, which is pleasing truly trust Him, to live a life that's honoring Him, to take ground and not give it up, to press in and to press on advancing His kingdom. Your life now as a believer is to advance His purpose, 
His kingdom. To expose the fruitless deeds of the darkness. Not be entertained by them. Not to be yoked by them. But to expose them. To know that the world hates you. Because it's hated Him. We don't belong any longer to the world. To the old man. To the old woman. To the old ways. To the old thoughts. And if they're active in your life, or they're trying to be resurrected in your life, you need to deal with them. Take every thought captive. Bring it to the obedience of His Lordship. To resolve, to decide firmly on a course of action. To make up your mind. Your life is to be in Christ. This is your position as a believer. We constantly see it throughout Scripture. We are told, we are seated with Christ. Our new identity is in Christ. We're to put on Christ. These are words of action. You have to resolve, you have to make up your mind, you have to decide firmly on a course of action every single day, throughout the day. You will be tempted, but temptation in and of itself isn't sin. And the good news is, is that he makes a way out of every temptation. So you're not to fall into it. You're just not to touch it or taste it. No, you're to turn from it. You're to run from it. You're to flee from it. And you are to run to Christ. Truly live as a Christian. To honor God with your life. And not in and of your own strength. Not by performing religious works. But by just trusting in Jesus. Believing in Jesus. He's begun this work in you. He is faithful to complete it. You are the work of His hands. And He's not going to neglect the work of His hands. He is faithful to His word. Oh, do you know him? And then the third R, to release the act of setting free or letting go. So if the Son has set you free, you are truly free. John 8, 36. So to release. So as you're repenting, as you're resolving, it's time to let things go. Let the past go. You're directing yourself dead to the power of sin and alive in Christ Jesus. So what are you holding on to all of that which used to define you? What are you holding on to all that unforgiveness, all of that hurt, all of that junk that nothing good comes from? There's nothing good in the old man. There's nothing good in the old woman. So stop trying to think upon that which you, who you were. I keep encouraging us. How are you living? Are you living out of brokenness, out of woundedness? Are you, are you living out of your past hurts, your past insecurities, all of that? Well, press into Christ. Trust in Christ. Honor Christ. Be healed in those areas. Don't try to pretend you're healed when you're not. Don't try to be at this level when you're at this level. 
Don't think of yourself as, as whole when you know that in reality you don't look at yourself that way. Get into Christ, trust in Christ, and be made whole. As Christians, we're to be living out of the new identity. So when the old comes a calling, when the old is paraded in front of us, when the wounds begin to fester inside of us, you've got to speak to them. You've got to remind them of who Christ is and then who you are in Christ. I can choose to be led by my brokenness and all the wounds and all the hurts and all the insecurities and all the unforgiveness, but nothing good is going to come from it. It never will. I can sit in my pity party all day long, but nothing good will come from it. All that brings is death, not life. I can choose to numb myself with all the addictions that are out there, but that only helps for a second, for a moment in time. And then I just need a stronger substance. Mm -hmm. Or I need more of whatever that's numbing me to keep me numb. But nothing good will come from that. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need to expose the wounds and the insecurities. We need to learn to forgive. We need to understand His love. And all that he's done for us, and who he is, and who we are in him, so that then we can then turn around and look at others and call them to Christ. Be reconciled to your Creator through Christ. And we live with this hope day in and day out. So I love that one song when we were listening. And I pray that you are worshiping when we're worshiping together and you're allowing the words to be sung over you. I love worship. The Bible says he sings songs of deliverance over us. But when it says, in the waiting, receive the glory. In the breaking, receive the glory. In the healing, Receive the glory. You see, all the healing and all the wholeness and everything that He could do in your life, it's not for just for you. It's for Him. Everything that He does within us, it's all for Him. It points to Him. We can't take credit for it. It's Christ. It's Jesus. It's all for Him. And so why are we trying to live this Christian life in our own flesh? Because it can't be done. We can be religious people. We can come to church when it fits our schedule. We'll give when we have. We'll serve when we feel we're able to. We'll have fellowship when it fits us. And we make it all about us. And we don't even understand the fullness of all that's been given to us through Christ. You see, when Christ is your center, when He is your your foundation, you begin to grow. 
You begin to mature. You begin to seek that which Christ has purposed. And it's not a burden. And as we've been discussing, as we've discussed, His burden and His yoke are easy. They're light. It's not a heavy burden. Your, your Christian life is not like, Oh, okay, now I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And if that is your mentality, then you don't understand Christ. You don't know Christ. Because in Christ there's freedom. And it's just now what you desire because you desire Him above all. And so you're making a choice. And you're choosing this day, this moment, this hour to live and not die. And yes, there's some deep wounds. There's some deep uh, hurts. And there's some insecurities. And there's all this junk that's still within us, that tries to define us. In Galatians, it tells us the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And if we understand that, then we would know that we must grow in the spirit. That's why I've told you throughout the years, what you feed breeds. What you starve dies. Are you hungering for the things of God? Are you seeking Him? Don't settle to remain in bondage and enslaved when freedom is right there for you. His arms are wide open to receive you. If you would just call upon Him, live for Him, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and to follow Him. The Christian life, and as we've talked about it, as we understand it, it's not a life that's, that's easy behind the enemy lines. <laughs> Because we're to be kingdom-minded. His kingdom. You see, the Bible says that when we've given our life to Christ, we've been born again, we've been engrafted into a new kingdom, and this kingdom cannot be shaken. You have been given the right. You've been adopted. You've been given the right to call him Daddy, to call him Abba. You have full access to the Father, to the Creator, through Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Are you walking in it? Do you understand it? Not using it for your purpose to make you, you to have a bigger platform or a greater anointing and make it all about you. No, it's always about Him. Jesus. It's all we have. Jesus. It's for His kingdom, it's by His power, and it's for His glory. This is how you're living now. This is how you should be growing. This is how you should be maturing. Every decision, every thought, every desire, everything about you should be for Him. It's just not, again, when you feel like coming to church, poof, that makes you a Christian. No, it's engaging in an intimate relationship with your creator because he first loved you 
It is his loving kindness that drew you to himself. And I've been, I've been challenging us throughout the year. Don't let the enemy teach you about God. Because all he will do is lie and, 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 and attack the character of God. And that's why a lot of men and women and children and the created beings, humans, throw their fists up at God and declare, you're not God, and we put all the fault on Him. There's no error found in Him. If you truly know Him, if you truly know Him, if you truly see Him for who He is, there's no error in God. It's in us. And we should humble ourselves. We should submit ourselves to Him. And then resist the enemy. You're either in one or the other kingdom. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of God through Christ, or the kingdom of darkness. Which is ruled by Satan. That ultimately will experience the wrath of God. And I keep encouraging us, why would you choose his wrath over his love. What on earth? And that's exactly the question. What on earth? What in this temporal world are you desiring more that's going to ultimately lead you to experience the wrath of God for eternity? What on earth is it that keeps you from his love? It's not him. He's not, he's not holding back. He is revealing himself time and time and time and time and time again to you. What are you doing with that revelation? Are you honoring him? Daily. Not when you feel religious or spiritual, but daily. And all that you say and do. There's many days we're going to miss the mark. But as I've encouraged you all, don't use grace as a license to continue to sin. Grace is the power to transform the areas in which you are failing daily, the hidden sin or the sin that is just bearing fruit in your life and others see it? Like, would you just seek him so that you begin to grieve over it? That you would have that sincere remorse? That you would understand that you must repent? You must resolve and you must release. And would you grow? Would you mature? And so when we get to December 31st of this year, we can praise him as you should be every day anyways. <laughs> but that we can look back and see growth. That we will begin to understand what it really means to be Christians. To be the church upon this earth. To advance his kingdom, to honor him, to love him, 
to serve Him, and as we're honoring Him and loving Him and serving Him, then we turn right around and we serve and we love others. We share the good news. We don't withhold the good news. No, we're sharing the good news. And we understand the times in which we are living. Deception, the spirit of deception is running amok. It's growing stronger and stronger and stronger. We're, we're told it's going to. That's why we must be growing in our love walk. We must be growing and utilizing, utilizing the gifts in which he has given us. We must be about his kingdom. We must be mindful of Christ. We must honor him. We must go forth and be the light in this darkened world. We're not to be rattled by it. We're not to succumb succumb to it. We're, We're not to just give up and give in. We're to stand out and we're to be we're to be apart from it. And we're to be the voice in the wilderness, calling people to repentance, pointing them to Jesus, knowing good and well we're behind enemy lines. And it's not with flesh and blood that we're fighting against. No, it's rulers and principalities in the air and the darkness. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And we're not to walk in fear or be bound, be bound by fear. No, we're to walk in faith and trust the fact that he is for us and not against us, that he is leading us, that he's empowered us. And so we must be on our knees. We must be in prayer daily, asking him, seeking him, allowing him to lead us as we go forth, that we work as unto him. See, everything is for him. So we're trusting in him. I have some scriptures I want to walk us through in hopes to encourage us to keep persevering. And that's so vital to our Christian walk. Listen, you're going to experience seasons, very dry seasons, when you're just walking through the desert, when you're just going through the wilderness in your Christian life. You're going to experience mountaintops where it's just like every day is a blessing. And you're just going to feel elated every day. But then sooner or later you're going to be right back down. We spend the majority of our Christian life in the valley. That's where we grow. That's where we grow. So many times we curse the seasons that we're in. Or we allow those seasons to allow us to be attracted to what's behind us. Or even the newness that's being brought in front of us, that's not honoring God. But we must be as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent. We must recognize that the trials and the valleys and the pits in which we must face are there to produce something within us. God is faithful to complete that which he has begun in us. And we are still behind the enemy lines. We are still in a fallen world. We are still in the the flesh. 
and the flesh is warring against that which is new within us, the, the born-again nature, the spirit. And that's why we must get discipled. We must grow, allow our roots to grow down deep so that we can endure. We're told that endurance, perseverance, must finish its work so that we will be made complete, not lacking anything. We understand the Bible tells us that the trials come, they're there to produce within us. Perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And that hope is in Christ. He will never disappoint us. But you understand, you can't get to that place in your life until you've endured. And so stop cursing what you're going through. Stop crying over it. Stop getting, you know, allowing it to lead you to a place of despair, of neglect, of, of unforgiveness, of wounds, of hurts. Because that's all the flesh wants to do for your life, is to hold you down. That's why it allows you to feed off the junk of this world. It doesn't mind giving you all of that because its purpose is to kill you. And that's what I keep challenging. I remember years ago when that was an awakening, when the Lord gave me that understanding. Like, why are you looking? Why are you touching? Why are you desiring? Why? What good is all of that for you? It's just leading you to death. And it's destroying your character. It's destroying my purpose for your life. Think about what you've been challenged by this past week, this past month, this past year. What have you done with it? And don't beat yourself up. That's another pitfall. We, oh, I'm just not a good Christian. Or, oh, I just, I'm just not, I just don't, can't do it like everyone else. Or we have all these excuses and the lies that we listen to and everything within us that's screaming, get away from God, get away from the church, get away from all of that. And isn't that crazy? Like if that doesn't wake you up spiritually, you'd be like, wait a minute. Why would I turn from that which can bring me life and wholeness and hope and freedom? Why would I want to keep settling for the scraps? Why would I want just to keep existing? Listen, I know what it's like to be depressed and anxious and panicked. I know what it's like to be in despair. I know what it's like just to do this and to that and all of that junk. I know what it's like to take up camp and sit in it. <laughs> but I keep challenging us. Keep pushing on through it. Because it's what builds character. So if we're not persevering, we're not growing. We're dying. We're stagnant. And we're being devoured. <laughs> we're just being devoured. And the person who's doing that is you. It's not the people in your life. And you can say, oh, but you don't know what they did. No, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's what you've chosen to do 
with what's been done to you. I've always told us we all have a story. We all have been wounded. I don't make light of it because I know my story. I know the abuse. I know everything that happened to me. I can relive it every day if I want. But I did that for many years. And it wasn't until Christ stepped in that I realized why have I been fighting God all these all this time when all you want for me is to live? I mean, isn't that, isn't that just the most... Think about that. Why do you wrestle? Why do we wrestle God with God so much and we resist Him and we, we push Him aside when it's, it's His desires that we would just live? And yet we would rather remain broken because somehow our brokenness is our security blanket. Because who would we be without being broken? Without the bad attitude, without the unforgiveness, without all the desires, without all of that, without the gossiping and the backbiting and the cheating and the lying and all of that stuff, who would we be? We would be a new creation, you all. We would live the fullness of life as we were intended and created to do. And then that's our purpose to go out and let others know. And that's why they begin to see, look, there's something different in you. You don't act the same, you're not talking the same, you're not doing the same thing, da da da. And, and it's nothing that you can take credit of. And it's nothing that you, you snub them as that now they're, you know, whatever. No, like you're broken, like, oh no, you want to share that with people. You want to let others know you're not better than them. <clears throat> but this is the way we're to live. And that's why I share these scriptures on perseverance. It, I, I pray that they encourage you as they encourage me to keep going. To keep going. Because everything behind the enemy line is challenging you to give up on God. Everything in this world is telling you there is no God. Everything of, of this culture is stripping God of his power and, 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 and prating him around to be this worthless God. But if you know him, if you truly know him, ah, you'll love him. Because you see him for who he is. He's the life giver. He's the chain breaker. He's the healer to the very depths of your being. And when you call upon him, Oh, he doesn't make you work for it. He freely gives it to us. Like when I think about who I was and where I've been, I go, oh God, you love me? Even after coming to him, the seasons and all the junk and things and everything, he could have just been like, oh, I was mistaken. He could have turned me right back out. No, he's so gracious. He's so kind. He's like, no, you're my son. Like, no, you're my daughter. Like, keep your eyes on me. Like, keep looking at me. I've got you. Don't look at this. Don't look at that. Don't look behind. Look at me. Keep coming towards me. I've got you. And that's what you need to hear every single day. Don't beat yourself up that you failed. Don't, don't give in to all the craziness. Just repent, resolve, 
and release and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep persevering. Keep getting up. No matter how many times you're knocked down, keep getting up. Understand, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Don't put your hope in anything of this world and even don't put your hope in the people around your life. You're going to be wounded. You're going to be assaulted. You're going to feel the weight of just crap upon you, but throw it off and keep pressing in and keep pressing on because this world is not your home. This is not where you're placing your identity. That's why you can't get wrapped up in relationships. You can't get wrapped up in desires. You can't get wrapped up in temporal things, chasing all of it. You can enjoy the fruit of your labor. It's not a problem having friendships and, and things, but it's, they're not to have you. They're not to be what you what's identifying you because all of that can be gone in a moment. And then where are you? As Christians, your identity is in Christ. And I keep telling you, it's every day, you all. It's just not a one-time little prayer. It's every single day. And it's so worth it, you all. Listen to these scriptures. John 15 is where we're heading. We're going to bounce around a little bit. John 15, verse 18 through 19. So if the world hates you, Jesus says, remember, it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And I would really encourage you to take these scriptures, write them out, set them before you, Meditate upon them. What does this mean? What is he saying? Ask the Holy Spirit, how can I apply this truth today in my life? Like, chew the word, eat the word, allow it to define you, because this is who you are now. From beginning to end, this is your mirror. You need to understand how to, to utilize it. To, this is your sword. You have to understand the truth behind it and how it, it brings forth freedom. This is the spoken word of God. And oh, I pray that you treasure it. So when you hear this, when you hear Jesus' words, he, he's telling those who will follow him, listen, listen, I've come for one purpose and one purpose alone, to deliver you. I know the condition in which you're in, but I've got you. Trust me. Trust me. Follow me. Come out from among them, because this is not your home. And when you step out from among them and you step into me, you receive the fullness of who I am. You are born again as one that I have chosen. But do you hear that? I really hope you, you grasp that. Like, again, you're not going to wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'll follow Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not how it works. He chose you. He desires to reveal himself to you. 
And because he chose us out, we can't get comfortable in. (laughs) We can't keep going back and saying, where do I fit in now in the world? Because the world hates us. Because they hated him. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he spoke these words. And they're not just words for the disciples then, but for all disciples up until he returns. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. You are to be, he's to be the teacher. You're to be the student. That's what a disciple is. And I told you in the Jewish culture, for for a teacher to call you as one of his disciples, those disciples, they stayed close to the teacher so that they can hear everything that he was saying. It was a a great privilege. We have the ultimate teacher, Jesus. He's called us out. Are you getting discipled? Are you understanding what it means to actively participate in this newness of life with your creator and with others who have been born again? So Jesus came and told his disciples, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey All my commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has word, you all. We're not to neglect this. And somehow, someway, we've allowed the enemy to come in. We've allowed the created to pretend they're God. And create all this religion. And slap Jesus' name on it. To deceive many. So many people are following the doctrines of demons. Teachings of Jesus that aren't of Jesus at all. They sound right. They tickle our ears. They make us feel good. And I told you, over the years, if you're hearing a gospel that gives you the right to yourself, run from it. Flee from it. Because it's stripping Christ down to make him nothing. It strips him down and makes his blood as common. And you can just splash up in it and you're not even concerned about it. And God help us. Because in the end, you realize you're going to stand before him. And why on earth, again, will you choose his wrath over his love? It's your choice. Jesus tells them, listen, go. Go. Tell of me. Disciple others. I love the fact when he tells them to go into all nations. 
I love the fact that he calls them to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how significant baptism is to a believer's life. That it's the dying, it symbolizes the death of the old man or woman and it raises you up to symbolize the newness of life. There's nothing mystical about it. It's just symbol. It's a symbol of that death. It's obeying Christ. Christ didn't have, Jesus didn't have to be baptized, but he did it. He had no sin in his life, but he did it as an example for us. Oh, that we would understand the significance and why it's so important and why Jesus would list it in his final words, as he's announcing this, sending his people to go, turn the world upside down with this truth. Right before he ascends into heaven and takes his seat at the throne of God. <laughs> then he tells them, and teach them to obey all my commands. Who are you teaching? Don't leave it up to the pastor, to the evangelist. You ought to be sharing. You ought to be sharing. There's a lot of wounded people out there. And if you don't bring them here, point them to another church that's preaching the word of God. Or bring them here with you. Encourage them to get into fellowship. When the all-out assault is taking place on the church to, to, to close her doors, to, to, to do it on your own. Or oh, it's not that important. No, that is so important. Fellowship is so important. Because that's where you grow. That's where you get discipled. But you ought to be sharing. And you ought to be teaching and trusting in Christ for your family, for your friends, for your co-workers, for your neighbors, for the strangers on the streets. There's a way in which you were called to live. <laughs> Go to John chapter 21. John 21. Verses 15 through 19. As, well, as we know, Peter denied Christ three times. Peter, the one who said, Lord, to the end. I'm in it all the way. Jesus looked at him and said, no, Peter, you're not going to be. Like You're going to deny me. And Jesus knew that. See, Jesus knows What's ahead of us? In the next hour, the next day, he knows you're going to deny me. I love these scriptures here because when you're in those seasons, when you hit that wall where you go, oh God, I didn't stand for you. Oh God, how could I give it into this? Or oh God, why did I remain silent? After breakfast, Verse 15 of chapter 21, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, 
you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Oh, how I pray this portion of scripture you would meditate upon, that you would hide it in your heart. So when you deny him, when you give in and give up, that you hear him ask you, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. God, you know I love you. To feed my sheep. Like, be restored to me and get up and do what I've commanded of you. See, Peter didn't waller around and say, but remember when I failed you? Remember when I denied you? Remember when I opened up my mouth and I shouldn't have? Remember this, remember that? No, he just honestly answered, I love you. And I love the fact that Jesus asked him the second time and the third time. Just, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of just restoration. Do you love me? Well, then take care of my sheep. Do you love me? And then he takes it a little bit further, Jesus does. Like, Peter, your life is no longer your own. In fact, Peter, this is how you're going to die for me. You're going to be stretched out. It's going to be a brutal death. And I love how it ends there. And then Jesus told him, follow me. I know we want Jesus to make everything perfect in this world. Does he bless us? Does he keep us? Yes, he does. But please don't use Jesus as a source for your bountiful, blessed life on this earth. Because maybe that's not what you're called for. (laughs) And maybe it is. And the Bible tells us those who have that, receive that, they're to use it for Jesus. <laughs> to send people, to give, to contribute, to honor him and all of that which he has blessed them with. But just as we picture that as being blessed, so is the blessed one. That we in our natural eyes look at their life and go, oh, they don't have much, but yet they're far more blessed. So rather you have little or you have a lot. If you're a Christian, you're blessed. You have received that which God has given you, assigned you. So be a good steward of it. Peter, this is how you're going to die. 
follow me. So that these scriptures encourage you. You have not gone too far from God that he will not restore you and heal you and send you. So don't let the enemy whisper or lie in your ear. Go to John chapter 8. John 8 verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Ah, because you will have the light that leads to life. As I was saying earlier, hoping to encourage us. Jesus is the light of the world. And look at those words yet again we hear. If you follow me. He's not going to force you. He's not not going to, you know, drag you along. It's your choice. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light again that leads to life. Are you living life? Remember, John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you a life, and life in abundance. Like, live. Live. I mean, do you get up each day ready to embrace the fullness of life? I remember the darkened seasons. I remember the very depressed valleys. (laughs) I can look back over my life and go, God, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for me getting up each day and choosing life, no matter how sick I was in the head and in the heart, that I had to get up and choose life. And there was days I didn't. I chose death. I laid and I wallowed in it. But it was a very tormenting place because I knew life. I knew there was life set before me. And yet I was choosing to remain down. That's why I love it when Jesus comes along and, and he looks and he says, do you want to be healed? And remember the guy that's laying on the mat like, well, no one, no one comes along and puts me in the pool. Like we're expecting for someone to come along and to do for us. Someone would just be nice to me today. Someone would just say a kind word. If someone would just do this or do that or do this. And we're finding our hope for others doing for us. But Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Yes, Lord. Well, then get up. Pick up your mat and walk. There has to be some type of action towards it. Towards your healing. Get up. Freely receive from him. Continue to apply his truth. Like again, the enemy is not letting up on you. The world is not letting up on you. And your own flesh is not letting up on you. As a Christian, three intense, powerful forces that will love nothing more than to devour your soul. But God himself speaks and they shrink back. And he speaks to the depths of your being. And he says, I am the light of the world. You don't have to walk in darkness any longer. You can live life, the fullness of life, if you would just abide in my light. 
None of the darkness can never extinguish the light, you all. Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as good as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers... Don't get tied up in affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. So teach these truths. Again, not only are we following him, but we're also teaching others about him. And as you're, before you start teaching others, teach yourself. <laughs> Allow the Holy Spirit whom you've been given your teacher, your comforter, your guide, rely on Him. You have to speak these truths over your life. You have to live these truths. You have to honor Christ. Because then when you're sharing with others, they're just not words. We've all met people who know Scripture back and forth. And yet their lives don't look nothing like them. And yet a lot of people are comfortable hanging with people like that. Because their lives gives you the right to keep living however you want. That's why we are warned all through Scripture, be mindful. Be mindful of those who just have a form of religion, but deny His power to transform them. In fact, those are the only people in Scripture we're told to have nothing to do with. We're not told not to have anything to do with the people of the world. We're told, do not even sit down and eat dinner with them. Because they will influence you. They will influence you as they've been influenced. Well, this isn't... Listen, we don't have to be that holy. We don't have to be super Jesus-filled. You know? No, we just do what we want. And we make excuses for our sin. It doesn't hurt. It's not hurting anyone else. It's not hurting me. Like, if you would... When you're on the other side and you're living, and then when you see what's going on, you just kind of go, wow, yeah, I once thought that way. So you don't have to fight with people, but pray for them. Like, oh God, open their eyes. What on earth? Speak truth to them. Because you may be the only one who will be bold enough to love them. Speaking truth to people, it may sting them. They may withdraw or come on the attack of you, but love them enough to tell them instead of going along with them. You say a lot of stuff, but man, there's nothing in your life. Oh, don't judge me! But no, I'm supposed to judge you. I'm not supposed to judge the world. Because the world stands judged. But you say you're a believer. And I've got to judge you because that's what Scripture tells me. The doctrine of demons tells you don't judge anybody. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Mm -hmm. But that's not what Scripture says. 
Scripture says, no, judge the believer. Hold them accountable. Like, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Because ultimately, you're going to stand before a holy God. And you've been splashing his blood up as if it's common. It means nothing. And there's no, nothing in your life that reflects his transforming power. I can't go along and be comfortable with you in that. I'm sorry. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. I mean, this is the standard, not because man has said it, but because God has said it. And so here, Timothy is encouraging, I mean, Tim, Paul's encouraging Timothy. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers, don't get tied up with the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Go to John chapter 12. Scriptures again, I hope will encourage you all to persevere. The Christian life is not for the faint-hearted. John 12, verse 23 through 26, Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Jesus' words, you all. Are you serving him? Because if you're serving with him, then you're right where he's at. You're not over here. You're not over there. You're not back over here. You're right where you need to be. Trusting in him. Honoring him. He gives us this understanding. There's these, this birth that's going to take place. Because of his death, he had to die so that we could live. These are spiritual teachings that have shaken the earth that the gates of hell rattle <laughs> when Jesus came back to life. I mean, the whole earth shook. He conquered sin and death. So many people have been born again. <laughs> New lives have come forth. The church is throughout the earth turning the world upside down, the government, everybody, is out to silence the Christians. They're the bad people. They want to close the churches. They want to burn the Bible. They want to try to strip God of his power, but they never will be able to. This is a spiritual war. And oh, how I pray that you've been awakened to truth 
Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Jesus' words. When you don't do what I say, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and look at this, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And do you realize how many people live their lives in ruins? sitting in church. Why? Why? When Jesus says that we can be upon the firm foundation, let let life throw whatever it wants at us. And trust me, it's not easy to endure in and of your own self. And I look back and I think, man, there were so many seasons, so many opportunities. I could have been wiped out physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, just totally give up. But I clung to his hand. And I prayed the prayer many times as Peter prayed, Lord, save me from death. Peter was called out to walk on the water. And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. That was his prayer. Some of y'all just need to reach up and say, Lord, save me from death. He's always there. He's always present. But are you calling upon him? Are you seeking him while he may be found? Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you love him? Last set of verses before we begin to walk through our verses for today. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26. Then he said to the crowd, Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26. If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Jesus is returning, you all. And I keep telling us, the day and age in which we're living, God help us. Like, listen, many years ago, I remember many years ago, mocking Christians 
laughing about Jah. They believe he's coming, you know, just making a mockery of them and him. But man, you can't help, even if you're not a Christian, you can't help but look at the, the condition of the earth and go, something's up. That's why I encourage y'all, people are open to having spiritual conversations, you all. Have them. Be confident in who your God is and who Christ is so that you can begin to share with people. People are open because even the unbeliever looks at the world and goes, wow, the end of the world is coming. I mean, they themselves will announce that out of their mouths. I mean, look at all of this going on. But you're a believer. You have the answer because there's no other spiritual book that is upon this earth that has got it all right. Except the Bible. This world is being set up for the one world or order. I used to mock it. used to laugh at it. <laughs> but my God, we're living in it like Jesus. One government, one religion, one currency. I mean, look at what's going on in Australia. If you haven't heard the news about Italy, keep your eye on Italy over the next weeks. And then how that's going to trickle down into Europe. I'm telling you, we can't, there's no way men could wrote this book and be as precise as all of these writings are. I mean, just look at our own nation. The greatest nation in the world, the shelves are bare. In some states, it's trickling now around to all different states. I mean, just look at what's happening. The level of deception, the level of filth that is rising. Oh, for goodness sakes, I read the report today that they want to teach five-year-olds. This is the curriculum that's happening in California first, then being introduced in Chicago at the state level, and then it'll trickle out among, our, among the other states. They want to teach five-year-olds about masturbation and anal sex. Give them sexual classes. And you should see the material. And parents who are stepping up, going to these school boards, exposing it. I was listening to this mom give her speech to the school board. And she was being demanded to be quiet. Stop it. Sit down. And she just kept going. She was, no, I'm not. I've got my time. You're telling me my time's up, but my time isn't up. You just don't want to hear these words. But you want my five-year-old to learn this? And then we have our government who labels that mother a domestic terrorist. Oh, if we don't wake up and begin to see the craziness that we're living. The hour in which we're living. Not to be angry at the world. Not to be angry at the government. <laughs> but to understand as Christians, wait a minute, your purpose for today. I keep telling you all that. Your purpose for this generation to be the light. How are you praying? How are you engaging in warfare? How are you existing as a believer behind enemy lines? And if you don't know how to answer that, would you just come and sit down and let's talk? So that you can learn what it means. So that you understand your life, their significance, your purpose for today. I mean, for goodness sakes, in Philadelphia this past weekend, or this past week, a woman was being brutally raped on the subway. 
And the people did nothing about it. They looked upon it. And the police officer said when he was watching the tape, he can't even fathom what were those people doing. No one stopped it. Do you understand the way our culture is going? The collapse is just ahead of us. I don't know the day or the hour, but the collapse is coming. You think this is bad? I keep telling us the worst is yet to come. Not because I'm some type of prophet. Just It's just the word. Jesus himself says. These are just the beginning of birth pains. And you're placing all your hope in this culture, in this system, in this world, and the temporalness of life. This is where you're placing your hope and your identity. Oh, I just got to feel it. I just got to be connected. I just got to have this. I just got to have them. I just got to know I'm secure. Like, oh my God, it's crazy. But God. But God. So I'm trying to encourage us, you all. I mean, we're just a few people sitting in an upper room. But do you realize the impact that we could have if we lived this out? Like, I can't make this stuff up. This is what's happening out there. People are dying and going into an eternal hell. And for what reason? For what reason? Only because they want to live for themselves. And listen, this world has nothing to offer you that's better than what he has for us. And so we better know our God. We better look toward to him. We better understand who he is in his character. And that's why we're walking through scripture, you all. But don't forget the call of a disciple. I know it's not easy sometimes to sit here as long as we sit here, but oh, I pray that you are engaging with Scripture, that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to to bring conviction to your heart, to hear truth and allow it to pierce your heart and go like, oh, okay, God, I'm sorry. To to allow His loving kindness to lead you to repentance and and then as you're repenting, resolve, God, I want to make up my mind. I'm deciding firmly on the course of action, Lord, that I'm going to follow you. I know it's not going to be easy. I know I'm going to fail you. You know I'm going to fail you, but God, I'm not going to stay down. Give me up, Holy Spirit, because your word says that if I walk habitually in you, I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Help me to fix my eyes upon you. Oh my God, are you talking this way every day? You ought to be. Because this is who you are. If this is who you are. If you're not a Christian, then yeah. Ugh, it does nothing. It's just a mantra. It'll be nothing. But oh, when you're a Christian and you understand the truth that's coming forth from your tongue. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Yes, it sounds ridiculous. Yes, it seems strange when you first begin to do it. I thought I was losing my freaking mind years ago. (laughs) But I knew what death was. I knew the depths of, of hell that I allowed myself to be. That I chose. But all of a sudden, this loving God whom I hated and thought my whole life hated me. He's wrapping his arms around me saying, you're mine and I love you. 
wrestle and fight him, but he would just remind me, Rob, live. Live. As he does with you. You take yourself, because you're a living sacrifice, place yourself daily on the altar. When you crawl off of it, crawl back on it. (laughs) The more you do, the more you grow. Like, get up and press in and press on. Know Him. It's like I said, when you know Him, when when, when you understand Him, when you see Him for who He is, you just can't help but worship Him. You can't help to recognize that He is holy. He is set apart. He is like no other God. And I just don't flip and treat him however I want. No, I, 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 okay, Lord, I keep him as God. I have the right fear of him. I'm not, oh, he's going to get me. No, no, just feel like, oh, God, you're holy. Like, I'm a sinner. Like, oh, God, but yet you love me, yet you've called me, yet you're entrusting me with your truth. To go out and tell others, like when you take your last breath, like you're going to be in his presence. But don't wait until then. You can experience it now. My God, I just want to abide with you. I just want to love you, Lord. And it doesn't matter what people say or do or whatever you experience in this temporal life. Just love him as we're commanded with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our bodies, and with all of our strength. Samuel chapter 7 through 8 is where we're heading. King David... is on the throne. And listen, don't take that lightly. Because that's a fulfillment of God's promise. Not only a fulfillment to the promises he made, but to the promises he made in the future. David had to be established. His throne had to be established because this is where Christ his throne would come forth from. So don't just treat this, okay, we'll just read you. Oh no, this is significant. This point in history is vital because it's setting up everything that has come already and is coming. So don't miss out on that. When King David chapter 7 was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest, From all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt. 
until this very day, I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet, no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people, Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be leader over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all of your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried, with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. Oh God, listen to scripture, you all. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with a rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul. When I removed from, when I removed from your sight, whom I removed from your sight, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord has said in this vision. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, Sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty? Do you deal with everyone this way, O Sovereign Lord? What more can I say? You know what your servant is really like, Sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great are you, O Sovereign Lord? There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name, for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever so that everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, have I been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, 
I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you, oh, for you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. Oh, listen, you all. Do you see this intimate relationship that King David has with God, his creator? Do you see God establishing his purpose and his plan that he spoke of back here in Genesis? And we understand that the cross was already planned before the earth was formed. It is all about his love being displayed. In establishing the throne of David is setting everything in place for the Messiah to come through. Chapter 8. After this, David defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering Gath, their largest town. David also conquered the land of Moab. He made the people lie down on the ground in a row, and he measured them off in groups with length of rope. He measured off two groups to be executed for every one group to be spared. The Moabites who were spared became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. David also destroyed the forces of Hadazir, son of Rahab, king of Zobah, when Hadazir marched out to strengthen his control along the Euphrates River. David captured 1,000 chariots, 7,000 charioteers, and 20,000 foot soldiers. He crippled all of the chariot horses except enough for 100 chariots. When the Armenians from Damascus arrived to help King Hadassir, David killed 22,000 of them. Then he placed several army garrisons in Damascus and the Armenian capital, and the Armenians became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. David brought the gold shields of Hadassir's officers to Jerusalem, along with a large amount of bronze from Hadassir's towns of Tebeth and Berothai. When King Torai of Hamath heard that David had destroyed the entire army of Hadassir, he, he sent his son Joram to congratulate King David for his success, his successful campaign. Hadassir and Toai had been enemies and were often at war. Joram presented David many gifts of silver, gold, and bronze. King David dedicated all of these gifts to the Lord as he did with the silver and gold from the other nations he had defeated, from Edmund, Moab, Ammon, Philistia, and Amalek, and from Hadassir's son of Rohab, king of Zoab. So David became even more famous when he returned from destroying 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed army garrisons throughout Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. In fact, the Lord made David, again, listen to that, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. So David reigned over all of Israel and did what was just and right for his people. Joab, son of Zero, was commander of his army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ehud, was the royal historian. Zadok, son of Ehud, and Amalek, son of Abithar, were the priests. Sirah was the court secretary. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was the captain of, king, of the king's bodyguard. And David's sons served as priestly 
leaders. Everything is being set up. Everything that God has promised David and everything that God has spoken ultimately for the greater promise of the Messiah is in play. Go to John chapter 14. That's why you can trust him, you all. Again, as you're studying, you're reading about him. Man, when you're going through rough times and you're seeing things, you can realize, wait wait a minute, God, you're faithful. You're just. You honor what you have begun. Um, John 14, verse 15 through 31. And so when you see him for who he is, and you can call upon him for who he is, when you can trust in him for who he is, you can live. And it doesn't matter what's going on, you can live. So I keep wanting to encourage us, live. Go out from this place today and live the full life, you all. Do not settle. Do not settle, but the full life. Your life now is a spirit, if you're in Christ, your life now is a spiritual life. You've been born again of the Spirit, and that is how you're learning now to live. Oh, how I pray you are. Go to John 14, verse 15. Jesus' words, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No. I will not abandon you as orphans. (laughs) I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me. But you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments, obey them, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do whatever, what I say. My Father will love them, and, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Jesus is our example, you all. 
How are we to live now? Like Jesus. And Jesus lived, look at this, by doing what the Father has commanded him to do. That's how we should be living. That's why we're to know his commandments, we're to teach his commandments, we're to obey. Do you, do you hear that over and over? These are Jesus' words. And yet we make excuses as to why we don't obey. And yet pastors will stand in pulpits today or churches will gather in whatever gathering or setting they're gathering and they would, they would dumb down his message, they would strip him of all authority and basically say, just live how you want, God loves you. And that tickles the ears of the created because it gives them the right to keep living as such. But Jesus, the Son of God, tells those who would not only follow him then but now, obey. Obey. This is a spiritual life. This is a new life. You're born again. If you've accepted Jesus, if your eyes have been opened, you see him for who he is, you receive him. Not by doing religious works. It's never about religious works. It's all about Jesus. You freely receive him because you recognize him. He is the son of God and he rose from the dead. This is your belief. This is your truth. This is what you share. It's not who you've become. Everything of your life is based on that. From here on, he's the Son of God and he rose from the dead. What does that mean to you? Is that your faith? Is that your belief? Is that your confession? Because that begins to shape your life as you freely receive that knowledge. Now you receive the Holy Spirit who now empowers you to live it out. I'm telling you, nothing else, no one else can do that for you. Coming from the occult, I understand uh, the, the spiritual realm. Before I came to Christ, I thought the occult, I thought Satan, I thought the, the, all of that stuff I used to chant to and give myself to was far greater. I've shared this with you all many times before. And that's why I'm always so dumbfounded when I look at Christians and I go, how is it that you don't recognize it? It's a spiritual life. I mean, I told you before when I used to do street ministry and those kids would be the occult, I would tell them, they challenged everyone else and they would try to challenge me, but I would always remind them, do you realize the power in which you're submitting yourself to submits to my power? And not my powers of me and myself and I, but the one, the greater power that I submit myself to. And then we hear Jesus himself says to his disciples, it's time for me to go because the ruler of this world it's his time now. But look at that. He has no power over me. There's no power over me. I better wake up, you all. Like, I can't, I can't, I can share with you. But I can't force you to be free. And that's a choice you have to make. That's a choice you, it's a choice I had to make. I either believed it or I didn't. I either believe in him or I don't. I choose to believe. When everything within me at days and times screams at me, stop believing. I said, oh, wait a minute, what? No, I believe. But nothing's working out. Look at this, look at that. All the things, the voices at times that I hear. 
and I could choose to look and be engaging with it, but then I go, no, I believe. Do you believe? How do you engage daily spiritually? This is a spiritual war. This is a spiritual life. Mock it if you want. Write it off as whatever. But in the end, trust me when you take your last breath. You're going to stand before him. And then what are you going to tell him? Oh, I, I didn't believe. Right. And he's going to say, I don't know you. You chose to turn from him. This message isn't popular. The masses are not running up in here or running anywhere else where this message, the truth, is being taught. Huh. Tickle their ears and they'll come. Give them whatever right they want to their life and they'll be a part of it. Make it something, make it this, make it that, and just slap Jesus' name on it, and maybe it'll grow. But we're living in the last days, you all. And from what I'm told, man, we're in for it. But to be of good cheer. Like, this is incredible, you all. Like, that's what I'm saying. You better get up every morning and realize, I'm meant for today. Like, I'm purpose for today, like, I'm, I, I have significance. I have value. I have worth. Like, oh God, okay. It's all for you, Lord. Like, you ought to get excited for the one, the commander of, the, of, the, of heaven's armies. <laughs> you ought to start seeking how, how the gifts in which you have distributed and given to me, God, how am I to utilize them? Because we're each gifted in one way or another. There's so much that you need to learn about your Christian life. And if you're not learning, guess what? You're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're going to be easily swayed by the religious people in your life who say they're Christians and they're not. You're going to be easily swayed by this realm in which you cannot see and you're going to be start believing the doctrines of demons. And that's not Rob's words. That's what Scripture tells us is going to happen in the last days. Do you realize the earth is being set up now for the Antichrist? Do you realize what's coming? And so we better be purposeful and powerful. Amen. Hell or to shake because Christ raised you up today. And they're not shaking because of you, but Jesus in you. You ought to go forth. And everywhere your feet treads, you ought to start claiming that ground. You ought to be able to get up and get in and be active in your faith. And be prayerful and be watchful. And be crying out in unity, come Lord Jesus, come. Because when he returns, all things, all things are made right. Like for those who are in Christ for eternity, you all. <laughs> oh, the blessed hope that we have. For eternity. Like no more tears, no more sickness, no more death. And we didn't even deserve it. But he chose us. He loves us. And yet we're trying to find others to love us that way. Make me feel secure. Make me feel wanted. Make me feel whole. And yet we're abused, we're neglected, we're rejected. <laughs> and yet we keep running towards it. And all along he's like, 
And everything that he has set up to reveal this to us, the enemy's devouring. Look at marriages. Look at, look, at the, look at marriage, the institution of marriage, and what it's supposed to represent. Look at how the enemy in these days, and the days to come, and the days that I've been, he's destroying the institution of marriage. And families. Look how the attack on families. In the, the, the mind and, and the very nature and the soul of the youth. Look how they're being attacked now. God, if we don't wake up and recognize this is far greater than just a Sunday morning. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll go to church today. Oh, so far greater than that. It's a spiritual life, you all. And you die to your old self. And you begin to live. And I tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. But it's so worth it. Like, I can get through the day I can lay my head down. And all my mistakes and my failures and my, and my discouragement and whatever. And I can still feel whole. And be like, okay, God. Search my heart. Forgive me of the areas that, man, I just didn't meet the mark. I'm going to grow, God. I'm going to keep pursuing you. I know that you love me. Above all, I know that you love me. And I love you, God. And this is how you're to live. This isn't, this isn't just, again, uh, an institution, uh, 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 just a, a religion. He's God, you all. And oh, I pray that you know him. Psalm 119, verse 33 through 33 through 48. Oh, thank you, Lord. Listen to this psalmist here. Teach me your decrees, O Lord, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey, there's that word again, your instructions. I will put them into practice, listen to that, with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me to abandon my shameful ways for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments, renew my life with your goodness. Lord, give me your unfailing love, the salvation that you promised me, that I can answer those who taunt me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch, I'm sorry, do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep obeying your instructions forever and ever. Oh God, I love this line. I will walk in freedom. For you have devoted myself, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands, how I love them, and I honor, I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your 
decrees. Oh, that we would have a heart like the psalmist. That we would have this intimate fellowship with our God. That we would respond as the psalmist is responding by obeying and desiring His Word and having an understanding of how important it is that we're in the Word. We understand God and who He is. Oh, man. Proverbs 15, verse 33. One nugget of wisdom. Though all that you've heard from Scripture today is wisdom. Proverbs 15, verse 33. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. The fear of the Lord, you all. Oh, how I pray that we understand the fullness of, 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 of Scripture, of Christ. And, and how we're to respond. Listen, the gospel, hearing it, hearing the truths, it's not easy for the flesh. But get beyond listening it in the flesh and allow your eyes and your ears to be open. God wants to do a new thing in our lives. He wants to raise up a people in this generation that would be his people, and that he will be their God. Amen. We ought not to take lightly the truths in which we hear every Sunday or every time we're together, but we ought to take them to heart. Say, God, what are you saying? How, how am I to respond? And are you loving him? Do you love him, you all? With your whole heart, soul, mind, body. You'll never get to that understanding of loving Him until you really first get to understanding of His love for you. Like He loves you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows your wounds, your hurts, everything about you. And yet He calls your name and He says, Come. I love you. I desire for you to live. So don't reject Him today. Don't pull away from him any longer, but run to him, you all. Because safety is only found in Christ. Deliverance is only found in Jesus. Holdness is only found in Jesus. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And we heard him, his words today, say, peace I leave you. And again, that peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. It's wholeness. I want to encourage you with this last song to be sung over you. And then I'll close us in prayer.